Welcome to Beaver Lodge Alliance's sermon podcast. We're so glad to join you. This is the latest sermon. We pray that you would receive encouragement, exhortation, and that Jesus would speak to you through this sermon. Enjoy. Such a privilege to get to be here with you today. I love that Pastor Greg invited me to preach about hope this morning because it's my it's my passion, it's my life message. I did think I'll just take a minute and update you all. When I finished working at the end of the summer, the only thing I knew from God is that he wanted me to write. And so I figured if he was going to ask me to do that and leave all that I was loving here, I better be taking it seriously. And so every morning that I could since then, I got up and the first thing I did in the morning was write. I have now churned out 45,000 words or so. (laughs) They are in the hands of the first readers to see if they make sense to anybody else. So for those of you who have encouraged me and you have reached out to me, it has meant the world to me. I know some of you are watching online. Um, Yeah, what an interesting journey. Keep praying. I, I want to publish. I don't know how to do that. Jesus has a plan. If he called me to this, he has a plan. So if you want to pray for that, I would be so grateful. So this morning, I get to preach about hope. (laughs) What are you hoping for? Oh, I'm hoping for so many things. I'm hoping my parents are okay over Christmas because I'm really sad I'm not going to be with them. I'm hoping that schools will open again in January for my son. I'm hoping my husband will have enough work. I'm hoping, hoping, hoping for lots of really good things. There are things I even pray for. What are you hoping for? If I went around the room and asked each person, we would have a great list of fantastic things, things that are worth hoping for. But I have another question for you. Do you have hope? It's quite a different thing to hope for something and to have hope. The dictionary definition of hope is just a feeling of expectation or a desire for a particular thing to happen. It's good. It's a sign of good mental health if you have hopes and dreams. But biblical hope is actually quite a different thing. The the Greek word that we use that's in scripture that's translated hope in English, it means the joyful expectation of goodness. So it's not just a dream or a desire for something. It's very specific. It is a joyful expectation of goodness. Do you have hope? Do you have a joyful expectation of goodness? Hope by its very nature only exists in the tension of waiting and endurance. Who loves that place? I do not. I don't like that space. But that is the only space that genuine hope exists. I was actually surprised when I went through my concordance that the word hope doesn't even appear in the Bible until the book of Ruth. That's a few pages in, you guys. And it comes up when a woman and both of her daughters have lost their husbands and their children are dead and it is a time of famine. That's when all you have is hope or you got nothing. And hope shows up a lot in scripture after that. Not a whimsical wishing, but a joyful expectation of goodness. It's uh, 
thinking about those um, wise men that Pharaoh read about in our Advent reading. We don't know enough about them, but we know they walked a really, really long ways. Maybe 400 kilometers, maybe 1,400. The internet's interesting. Scripture doesn't tell us. What would propel you to follow a star, footstep after footstep after footstep through a desert to an unspecified designation destination? And how would you know when you got there that you found what you were looking for? Because here's the thing about the joyful expectation of goodness. It doesn't have a lot of agenda attached to it. They knew they were going to find a newborn king. Where do you think you would find that? Well, they went to a palace. Of course they did. And when they didn't find him there, did they just throw up their hands? I wish I knew what happened in between. But rather, they end up in a little humble home with a little peasant girl and a little squalling baby. And they knew this was the thing they had been promised. So as we talk about hope today, I want you to surrender your agenda of the things that you hope for. And I want you to receive an expectation of goodness without any agenda attached. Not because your hopes and your desires are wrong. Not because God doesn't care about your hopes and your desires. But because he's so good that even if things don't turn out the way you wanted them to, he is still on his throne. And his promise of goodness for you cannot be destroyed by anything except your failure to receive it. Really? Really? I'm going to unpack it for you. What is this hope? 2020 has been a year of problems and trials. But really, you had those when you thought corona was just a beer. But now that you know it's also a virus, you've got all that plus. How do we grow in this hope that doesn't lead to disappointment? Well, back in March, can you believe it was back in March, the very first live stream service, I shared a passage of scripture with you all. And that scripture came back to my mind as I was preparing for this, and I thought, oh boy, it's been more than nine months. That's long enough to have a baby, you guys. <laughs> what have you given birth to in these nine months? What has grown inside of you? Well, I, I don't flatter myself to think you all remember exactly what those words were, so I'm going to share that scripture with you again. It comes from Romans 3, and it says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Who does that? Yay, more problems. I know you do. We can rejoice when we run into problems and trials, for we know they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation, and this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us. Because he's given us his Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. There's this cascade here of troubles leading to endurance, leading to strong character, which is increasing hope. Has your hope increased in the last nine months? If it hasn't, I don't want you to hear shame and condemnation this morning, not for a tenth of a second. Scripture says, gather together to encourage one another. So we came here to get encouraged. Okay, so let's get encouraged. No to shame and condemnation. Spirit of God, come, fill us with hope. Fill us with a joyful expectation of goodness. Why would we do this in troubles and difficulties? The answer is here. Because we know God loves us. 
And if he loves us, his word is true, that he will never abandon us. He is not far off. He is not oblivious to our problems and needs. He is on the throne, and he knows your name. He knows your name. Hear him whisper your name right now. He's not forgotten you. So how do we turn this into practical action here in our place of waiting? Scripture describes hope as an anchor. According to our biblical definition of the word hope, it's a joyful expectation of goodness. You guys know joy is an emotion? Check. Check your emotions right now. What are you feeling? Some of you would like me to ask, what are you thinking? Okay. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? Check your gauges. God gave you emotions to tell you things. These feelings are not random, nor are they the boss. They are like a dashboard indicator. I have a check engine light in my car. That light tells me about my engine. It is not my engine. Apparently, you can ignore check engine lights, though. So I've been told. Don't ignore these emotions. Now, I'm going to give you um, a process of elimination. We have an acronym I use, HALT. If you are hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, deal with those problems. And because I'm talking to adults, you're the one who needs to deal with those problems. Don't wait for someone else to solve your hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. You do it. And have it, if you need help, you ask for it. You have words. Ask for what you need. This is what we teach our children, but we forget it as adults. If you need help with this, you must ask. There are solutions. You are part of a community. Please reach out. Having dealt with hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, halt. Now what's left on your dashboard? Again, no shame or condemnation. But that emotion is telling you something. And if you're low on hope, we need to get fueled up. If your emotions are attached to things like restrictions, the wisdom of the government, your paycheck, your kid's behavior, your spouse's opinion, what your parents think, your latest purchase, all of those things, if that's what your emotions are attached to, it's indicating those things are the Lord of your life. Ouch. Who, what is the Lord of your life right now? The uncomfortable truth is, in our humanity, this happens. We have a message like this so we can do a little check and get realigned. That's all. It's that easy. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. Help. Help. Scripture describes hope as an anchor. In Hebrews 6, please read the whole chapter. This is always my problem when I'm preaching. All the verses are so good. I, I would go on for two hours if I read all the ones I'd like to. But the whole chapter 6 of Hebrews is talking about not becoming spiritually dull in the tension of endurance. Anybody else struggle with becoming spiritually dull in the place of endurance? Oh, yeah. So let's just pick it up at verse 17. In Hebrews six seventeen, it says, God bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure he would never change his mind. And God has given both his promise and his oath, and these two things are unchangeable because it's impossible for God to lie. Would you look at the person next to you and say, it's impossible for God to lie? 
We must remember this. It's impossible for God to lie. He actually can't do it. Okay? And it says, therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence. There's that word again. Great confidence. As we hold to the hope that lies before us, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. It's impossible for God to lie. He's given us promises. This becomes an anchor for our souls. What is your soul? It's where your thoughts and your emotions happen. It's so biblical, you guys, to be paying attention to our thoughts and our emotions. What are they anchored to? And because we're human, I want you to hear me acknowledge, we get them anchored to the wrong things all the time. It's okay. It's just super important that we recognize it, capture it, and lay hold of the right thing. And here it says that our souls can be anchored right through to the presence of God who says he loves us. Do you have hope? Okay, how do we sustain this? I'm going to give you three super practical tips. How do we maintain joyful expectation of goodness. It is not merely by buckling down. That's actually good news to me. I get exhausted buckling down forever. I certainly feel tired after 10 months, 10 months of trying to buckle down in joy and hope and thanksgiving. It's, it's, it's unsustainable. But there's a, there's a more excellent way. It's all supported by scripture, you guys, but here's the first one. I've alluded to it already. Get your priorities straight. That's right. You're a child of God. You have a commission. What is your assignment? Jesus, before he left, said to all his disciples, Go ye. Go ye. You are the ambassador of good tidings of great joy for all people. Priority one. Your assignment is carry the kingdom of heaven. We talk about it around here as know and make known the love and manifest presence of Jesus Christ. This is your first, foremost assignment. Colossians 3, the Apostle Paul is in prison. Okay, guys, he's in prison under an unjust, evil ruler. And he says, since you, as he writes this letter to all of us, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand, and think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Why? For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. So what does this mean? Are we to be so, so heavenly minded? We're actually no earthly good? Of course not. We have things here on earth that are our assignments to steward. We have responsibilities. We have a voice in a democracy. But what's your priority one? I think of the disciples having an expectation that Jesus would come and overthrow this government. And Jesus had a better plan. He said, I'm here to conquer sin and death. What's your first priority? You've got lots of responsibilities, lots of assignments, things to steward. But where is your heart set? I'm going to be real with you this morning and share some of my struggle with this. I am sure that in this room, we have...
People who are a fan of masks, they're going to save us all. And we have people that hate masks and think they're an abomination and here to destroy our freedom. I'm not going to pick a side this morning, but I'm going to talk about it. I struggle with it because I struggle with sinus infections. If I wear a mask for hours, I'm not okay. I have a friend who's hard of hearing. She relies on reading lips. I feel my heart is aching for her. I also care deeply about aging relatives that I don't want them to get sick. Right? Here's the whole mess before you. Now, when I go into Costco, I have to put something over my face. So A, I can't breathe and I'm scared. You know, the whole sinus thingy is a pain. And here's the other thing. I can't hear really well. I refuse to get checked for hearing aids yet. I'm way too young for that. But I struggle with hearing. And so when people talk to me with a mask on, I can't hear them, and I have to ask them three times, I'm sorry, could you say that again? Guess what I start feeling? Shame. And then I feel frustrated. And then I feel anger. And I want to put my head down, and I just want to churn through and get out of there and tear that thing off of my face. Now I want you to hear me loud and clear. This is my personal experience, and I can tell you that if shame, rebellion, anger, bitterness, judgment, any of those things are going inside of me, that is spiritual toxin. It's so much more dangerous than a mask will ever be to any of us. Spiritual toxins that I am then carrying and leaving a trail of all the way through Costco, you guys. What is my assignment? My assignment is overcome sin and death. My assignment is be such a beacon of hope that it is like a star shining out of these eyes that says to you, behold, I've got good tidings of great joy. I have a Savior who's conquered sin and death, and his life is inside of me, and there is no mask that can defeat the resurrection life of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Do you hear me? All I'm saying is, first and foremost, pay attention to sin and death reigning here. Pay attention to the message you're carrying. Because whatever message you're bringing to any sphere of influence, if you are not filled with the Spirit and the fruit of His Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, patience, self-control, your priorities are disordered. And you will be a clanging symbol on earth. You will be adding to the clamor. You will not be releasing hope. You can carry out the same assignment filled with toxins or filled with the Holy Spirit. Which one are you going to be? Holy Spirit of God, help us to reorder our priorities this morning. We have an assignment that supersedes everything else. Governments have come and governments have gone. Plagues have come and plagues have gone. Your assignment, the church of God has never had a different one. It's always been the same. Declare, we have a savior. And what we are experiencing in the moment isn't all there is. You have died to this life. You're going to have to let go of some stuff and be raised to new life in Christ. All right, I will move on. Number two, remember the promises and testimonies. You got to feed yourself, guys. And if you're just listening to the news, watching social media or Netflix, you are not getting fueled by hope, by the source of hope. You must, you must remember the promises of God and remember testimonies. 
The promise God gave me recently in a moment of profound disappointment was just a simple one that we all know, but it is held true. This is the reality of our God. A few weeks ago, when new restrictions were announced, I had hope. <laughs> I was hoping for some things. Two things. I was hoping for. Stuff wouldn't be as bad as another province. And when the announcement was made, I was doing good, oh good, oh good, oh good, oh good. And I didn't see this one coming. He said, high schools are going to be closed now for more than a month. Six weeks, no school for my son. He already got laid off his job in March. His grade 12 football season is awash. And now he's going to be home in my basement for six weeks with no structure and no social life. Oh, I'm a mom. This is hard for teenagers. This is bad for their mental health. This is also a very important issue. And I just felt crushed by disappointment. And along with disappointment came fear and dread and other things. And because I'm a mature Christian woman, I knew all about, I love that somebody giggled. <laughs> I know all about what thoughts I'm supposed to think, but how many of you know what's going on here and what's going on here are not always the same thing. So I am vigilantly buckling down with my positive, happy thoughts, which you can imagine a 17-year-old boy super appreciated. So maybe some things didn't go super well that night. I woke up the next morning. I wake up really early, so I always have time for this. I kind of do a scan when I first wake up in the morning because I'm not so busy with all my thinking that I can't pay attention to what's actually happening. And right down here, there was darkness. I know that's not the spirit of God. So Jesus, what is it? What's going on? And I have to just lay there and wait. And I knew it was hopelessness. Even though my head and my mouth were very busy doing and saying all the right things, deep inside I had agreed with hopelessness. I had said, this is not good. Okay, Jesus, I break agreement with hopelessness now. I break I'm sorry, Lord. I cannot see what you see. But I repent of joining with hopelessness. Take it away from me. What do you have for me instead? He just said, you're going to see my goodness. Okay, then. I can get up and I can get out of bed on that promise. And it's anchored in scripture. Romans 8, 28, so familiar for most of us. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That can become such a trite promise, but it's got a reality that there's rubber where it hits the road in our lives. If we're only going to depend on what I can see and know and what governments can declare and what other people can say and what other choices people can make, I have no hope. But if my soul, my thoughts and my emotions are anchored to this promise and he says, you'll see my goodness, then I will see his goodness. I looked it up in another translation because sometimes the fresh voice helps me hear it, not just like a trite thing that I've heard a million times. So here you have it in another translation. It says, so we are convinced that every detail of our lives is constantly woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. Why? For we are his lovers. There it is again. Loving and deeply loved. 
And we've been called to fulfill his designed purpose. So there it is again, priorities. What's my purpose? What's my priority? Does God care about my son? He absolutely does. Have I seen goodness? I did. I am. Man, when I let go of my agenda and just said, okay, Lord, I'm going to expect to see your goodness today. I've seen it. And I am so thankful. I have to let go of my agenda and just have expectation of goodness. Which leads me to the final one, which is worship. So one, reorder your priorities. Two, remember promises and testimonies. And three, worship. You've got to fuel yourself with worship. What you're focused on, what you're adoring, fills you. This is who is God, who is Lord in your life. Where is your focus? So you can read and meditate on his word. For me, this is a lot to do with worship music. I have to put it on and get myself oriented to who God is and focusing on him. Here's another way. If you're not into music that much, gratitude. Did you know when you're complaining, you're glorifying your negative circumstances and you're quoting the enemy? Stop complaining. I do it sometimes. My husband helpfully points it out. But it's important. I don't want to glorify the enemy. I don't want to quote him. I want to have hope so I can carry out this assignment of proclaiming freedom and hope. So practice gratitude. Get silly about it until it becomes a habit. What can you be thankful for right now? Besides your fabulous person sitting next to you. Practice radical gratitude. I can be cynical and sarcastic when the sun goes down at four. <laughs> or I can just be like in awe and wonder of my creator. Thanking him for fresh hot biscuits, for warm soft blankets. Like just start to practice gratitude. Why? <laughs> Every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights in whom there's no shadow of turning, and there it is again. We have a God who cannot lie. And so every taste of his goodness reminds us that he is at work doing what he said he would do. Let go of my agenda of what that's going to look like. Now, I know every time I talk about hope that it's inevitable that some of us have a blockage in our soul still from past disappointments. We hoped, we believed, we thought, and we, we prayed. And things didn't turn out the way we thought they would. Those things held on to block our ability to hope again. In a nutshell, all I can tell you is you bring that disappointment, you name it, you acknowledge it, you bring it to God, and you say, I don't understand, but I surrender this to you. And I ask you to help me hope again. Teach me what it looks like to live in confident expectation of your goodness when my human brain can't see it for miles. Because he is present with you. He's Emmanuel. He's Emmanuel. He's with you in the difficulty. He's here. Father, open our eyes to see your goodness in the moment, and to continue to believe for the fulfillment of the promises that are yet far off. This is Advent. He came and he's coming again, and we are in this tension place of waiting with an assignment. So I ask you again, do you have hope? Do you have hope? We need to do business with this because it's not optional. It's not optional for the children of God. 
The enemy wants to steal your hope and render you powerless. You are no threat to him without hope. But if you have hope, you are dangerous. You are dangerous to every strategy of the enemy. You are dangerous to his plan to quench hope in everyone around you. When you have hope, you are dangerous. This is not about the power of positive thinking. It's about what your hope is anchored to. The strength of it is in where your anchor lies. In the presence of the Father, who says he loves you, says he'll never leave you or forsake you. God is on his throne. He is now. He will be in January. He always has been and he always will be. Again, all through the ages, governments have risen and governments have fallen. Plagues have come and plagues have gone. God has never changed. And his assignment for you and I hasn't changed either. Can we make his assignment for us priority one? And live everything else out from that place. This is our calling. Go. Make manifest the love and presence of Jesus Christ. Declare good tidings of great joy for all people. So would you stand with me? We can just take a moment in the presence of our King Jesus. Right now I want to speak to you the compassion of the Father. He gets it that you live in human flesh, in physical circumstances. He gets it because he did too. He came and he took on. He took on flesh. And he experienced weariness and disappointments and frustrations and injustice. And he tucked away in the garden to talk to his father. So let's do that right now. Spirit of God, come. We surrender to you weariness and disappointment. We have need of a savior. So we come to you with our need and we surrender it to you, God. And we give you all of our hopes and dreams for good things. The things we long for, for our homes and our families and our communities. For our nation and for the world. We give you all those hopes and dreams and desires. Spirit of God, I ask that you would come right now and align our affections. Align our affections to the things that you have called us to. Align our affections to the love of the Father, the friendship of Jesus, and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Lord, would you restore our vision beyond our momentary discomforts? Would you restore our vision for releasing the kingdom of heaven here on earth? And Lord, would you recalibrate our desires would you bring them into alignment with what your desires are, God? And Lord, would you refresh our souls, that place where our thoughts and emotions are, as we enter into your presence in that holy place? Would you restore our souls, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. 
If you have questions or comments or are just wanting to know more about our church, check out our website at www.beaverlodgealliancechurch.com as well as you can find us on Facebook or feel free to email us at office at beaverlodgealliancechurch.com. We pray that today you would know the love and manifest presence of Jesus.